Hello, this is Jennifer Wolf Horsch, Executive Director of the International Association of Industrial Accident Boards and Commissions, also known as the IAIABC. You're joining us for the IAIABC's podcast, Accidentally, where we discuss issues and events impacting workers' compensation programs. During Accidentally, I ask thought-provoking questions, raise awareness of emerging issues, and try to offer insights on workers' compensation. My hope is to make you think about work comp in a different way. You can subscribe to our monthly podcasts on iTunes or find them at iaiabc.org slash podcast. So it's the middle of the year. And that presents a great opportunity to reflect on workers' compensation in 2017. Most of the legislative sessions are over, but not all of them, especially the ones that need to pass a budget. And we all have a better understanding of the key issues and forces that are impacting U.S. workers' compensation systems. For that reason, during this month's Accidentally, we're going to look at the system through a management lens and conduct a SWOT analysis on workers' compensation. A SWOT analysis is generally used when an organization or a business is getting ready to do strategic planning. And it's a technique where a business can identify its strengths and weaknesses and look at the external forces through opportunities and threats. And it's a way for a business and organization, and in this case, a system, to look at how it can continue to play up its strengths and explore new opportunities, as well as to minimize weaknesses and insulate itself from threats. In part one of this Accidentally podcast, I'm going to analyze the system's strengths and weaknesses. And these are internal factors about the system itself. In part two, we'll look at opportunities and threats. And these are external forces that have the potential to influence, impact, and shape the system. So let's get started. First, let's look at the system's strengths. These are internal aspects of workers' compensation that I think are working very effectively. And there are many things and many aspects of the system that are positive. The first one is when we look at occupational injury and illness incident rates. So every year, the Bureau of Labor Statistics publishes national data on injury, illness, and fatality rates. And the fatality rate in 2015 was 3.4 fatalities per 100 full-time equivalent workers. And this is one percentage point lower in 2015 than in 2014. And the rate has been under four fatalities per 100,000 workers for eight years. So we continue to see positive declines in the number of fatalities that are linked to occupation and work. Recordable injury rates also continue to decline. The recordable injury rate in 2015, according to the Bureau of Labor Statistics, was three cases per 100 full-time equivalent workers, which is down two percentage points from the previous year. 
This translates to 2.9 million recordable cases in the U.S. in 2015. And when we further look at those numbers, the injury rate for cases that involved lost time, job transfer, or restriction was 1.6 per 100 full-time employers, again, down a percentage point from the previous year. And I think these incidents um, and fatality rate declines are a real strength in the system. We all know that workers' compensation itself is predicated on a work injury happening and a claim then being filed. And so anytime we see declines in deaths and incidences at work, that's an opportunity and that's a strength within the system. When we look also at some of the injury and fatality data, in 2015, U.S. businesses had recorded 1.1 million days away from work. And this essentially remained the same from the previous year. The median time away from work in these cases was eight days. And that's a reduction of one day over the previous year. And it's important to look at that median time away from work because that's used very frequently as a proxy for severity of injuries. And that makes pretty intuitive sense. If an injury is more serious, it's probably going to require more time away from work. So the fact that we see the injuries resulting in less time away from work is a strength of the system. That means injuries may be less severe. It also means that we may have better strategies at dealing with the injuries early on in a claim and reintegrating those injured workers back into the workforce. Another aspect that I believe is a strength in the workers' compensation system is that workers' compensation coverage across the U.S. continues to expand. The NACI report, Workers' Compensation Cost, Benefits, and Coverage, that looks at 2014 trends, showed that there were 132 million workers in the U.S. covered by workers' compensation policies. That's approximately 90% of the employed U.S. For workforce in 2014. So I think when we look at the workforce and the working population, it's a positive that 90% of the U.S. workforce is covered and has the safety net of workers' compensation. Another thing that it's important to look at when we talk about workers' compensation is to look at the cost of the system. How much does it cost employers to purchase a workers' compensation policy? And according to the Oregon Premium Rate Ranking Study in 2016, the range of cost across states was $0.89 cents in North Dakota and up to $3.24 in California. And the median rate for workers' compensation coverage in 2016 was $1.84. And that's remained fairly steady over the last couple of years. One thing to note about the Oregon premium rate ranking study that one of the trends they've seen over the last several years is that more and more states are clustering around the median as opposed to having widespread variation. And I think that that, again, is a strength in the system. The closer that we see states in terms of cost getting to the median, that means that there are there's less variability and variation across states. 
It's very important to understand when looking at the Oregon premium rate ranking study that the median rate is a product of many factors and the cost is really relative to a state's level of benefits, the medical delivery, the economic mix within a state, the injuries, etc. But again, I think it's important to look at cost and sort of the relative dollar and 84 cents as the median rate for cost is probably a strength within the system. Keeping in line with talking about money, I think one of the things that we rarely hear discussed and that is a real strength in workers' compensation is that it is financially stable. There is a robust regulatory system which has developed a framework which ensures that there is a strong financial foundation for paying workers' compensation claims. Workers' compensation in the United States is fully funded. That means that insurers, both public and private insurers, and self-insured employers are responsible and can pay for all claim liabilities, both those liabilities now and into the future. And that's not something that we can say about other social insurance programs in the U.S. And so I think this is a real strength that the system should be doing more to play up. It's important to recognize that in workers' compensation, there are backstops, the guarantee funds for insurers and security instruments for self-insured employers that provide additional financial security. And that covered employees can be assured that their workers' compensation claims are going to be paid for today and into the future is a significant strength. It's also important to look at insurance results. Insurance results continue to be strong with NCCI reporting a combined ratio of 94 in 2016. So that's the second year of, of a 94 combined ratio. The combined ratio is a measure of an insurance company's profitability. Anything under 100 means that they're making profit on underwriting. So that's a real strength in the system as well. Another strength is our understanding of how individuals recover and return to health. There's a growing awareness and the use of the biopsychosocial model in our recovery and healing process. The biopsychosocial model recognizes that we humans are a whole person. So we're not just a collection of our body parts or our biology, our genetics and our biochemistry and our physical impairments. But we're also very heavily influenced by our psychology, by our mood, our personality, our behavior, any mental challenges that we're facing. And we're also influenced by social factors, our culture, our family, our socioeconomic status, our personal history. And I think that recognizing that we are whole people and treating the whole person, not just the medical impairment, is a real 
innovation in the system and it's helping us to get injured workers the care they need to recover and to return to work more effectively. And so as the system continues to embrace the biopsychosocial model and looks at people more holistically, I believe that's a big strength and it's helping the system be more effective at getting individuals back to work and back to health. So just in summary, I wanted to give you my list of strengths in the workers' compensation system today. We see declining fatality and injury rates. This should be good news to all of us. We also see declining severity in the injuries that are happening at work. There is expanded coverage across the U.S. The system is financially solvent. There's a financial strength underlying the workers' compensation system. And also, we are seeing more and more the use of the biopsychosocial claims model, which is helping people recover and get back to work more quickly. So these are the strengths that I see in the system. And there's a lot of things that we should feel positive and happy about. So now, let's take a step back and let's consider some of the weaknesses in the system. What are some of the things that the system should work on in order to improve? According to an analysis by workerscompensation.com, there are more than 3,400 forms that are used in the U.S. workers' compensation system. That's a whole lot of forms. And I think that the use of these forms is really an example of the highly regulated nature of the system. There is a rule, a form, or a report for everything. And I think that this can be a challenge both within a state system. There are some states that have hundreds of reports and forms that have to be filed. And it's also a challenge for those businesses and organizations that are doing business in multiple states. So they're not only having to manage one state's processes and forms and regulations, but they're having to keep up and maintain systems to manage that across multiple jurisdictions. I think another thing that is a weakness in the system is that it is complex. So if you have ever been to a presentation on the life of a workers' compensation claim, you will notice that it's not a straightforward path. It has many opportunities for veering off into different directions. And one example of this is that WorkComp Central publishes a flowchart of the California workers' compensation system. And if you take a, just a snapshot of this on your computer, it's not comprehensible. There are probably 50 different boxes in which a claim can navigate. And I think this complexity is a real challenge for the system. The more difficult we make workers' compensation for employers and injured workers to navigate, the more likely they're going to need outside assistance. They're going to need counsel. They're going to need additional vendors and other businesses to help them achieve a positive outcome. 
And I think that the complexity was one area consistently identified in last year's IIBC national conversations as something that needed to be improved. I think another thing when we think about with respect to the complexity is the communication that we use to tell people about workers' compensation. This business is full of acronyms. IIBC, FROI, SHROI, EE, EAOC. There's an acronym for everything. And if you're not fully ingrained in the system, you're not going to understand the language and the terminology and the acronyms that are being used on a daily basis. We need to take a step back and think about how do we communicate to people about the system and how to navigate it. I think that that's a real weakness that the system needs to address. Another weakness that the system is struggling with over the past few years is there have been an increasing number of constitutional threats related to workers' compensation across the country. Probably the most commonly discussed are those cases in Florida, the Castellanos and the Westfall case, as well as the cases in Oklahoma, the Vasquez and the Torres case. But there have been recent decisions just in the last couple of months in Pennsylvania, Alabama, and Kentucky that will continue to shape the system. Of course, those constitutional cases are going to shape the system within their own states. But I also think that there will be other states who look at those decisions and attorneys may feel emboldened by those successes and we may see similar cases work their way through the court systems in other states. So I think that the constitutional threats is something that is a weakness in the U.S. workers' compensation system. For most of the last century, the primary cost driver in workers' compensation was indemnity benefits, so the lost wage benefits that injured workers received. But over the last 20 years, that's really changed. And now we see that medical cost is more than 50%, and in some states, up to 70% of the total cost of a workers' compensation claim. We also know that medical treatment is a common denominator for every single workers' compensation injury or illness. Everybody is going to get treatment. And that medical treatment and the delivery of medical care plays a significant role in someone's ability to recover and return to work. And I think that it's fair to say that most workers' compensation regulatory agencies are heavily focused on the administrative and legal aspects of the system. And that's generally what their mandate is. But there is a growing awareness and I think a, a compelling need to have more medical management expertise within the system, and particularly within the regulatory agencies. While it may not be in their statutory mandate, like it or not, most states are in the medical management business already. They have fee schedules. They have utilization review rules. They have treatment guidelines. They have electronic billing requirements. 
And in the, in most states, they're relying on stakeholders through advisory councils, both formal and informal, who may or may not have a self-interest in those policies to shape and ultimately inform practice and rules and, and policy. And so I think that as workers' compensation becomes more and more about getting the right care to injured workers, we need to see a shift in priorities in terms of getting people with expertise in healthcare policy to be engaged in the system. Another weakness in the system, and this is something that we've talked about on Accidentally Prior and is being discussed at a lot of industry meetings, is that the industry itself is going through a major shift and work comp professionals are getting closer and closer to retirement. And there is estimated that there will be 400,000 open insurance positions in the next two and a half years. And many of the IIBC state members report that 40 to 50 to more than that percent of their workforce is eligible for retirement in the next five years. And as we talked about, the system is complex and workers' compensation is full of nuance. This means that anybody who's stepping new into the industry is probably going to have a fairly steep learning curve. And this is in addition to the fact that our world is changing and the industry is changing and we're having to adapt. And so it's likely that the challenges of workers' compensation in the future are going to be different from those in the past. And so this confluence of people who are, you know, kind of nearing the end of their professional careers, who have a lot of institutional knowledge as well as a complex and nuanced system and a whole bunch of people whose work and life experiences are really different than um, sort of the professionals at the end of their career, I think that that is a challenge for the system and how it sort of embraces and adapts and transfers important institutional knowledge but also enables innovation to happen is really essential for the system to think about. Another challenge within the system has to do with the representation and the employee voice. Union membership across the United States continues to decline. The BLS recorded that in 2016, only 10.7% of wage and salary workers belong to a union. This is down from 20% in the early 1980s. And this is an area I believe is invisibly shaping workers' compensation in many states. And I'll share with you that I really struggled with this, this sort of representation of the employee voice and whether it was a challenge or it was a threat to the system. And ultimately, I believe it is a challenge. It is internal to the system. And here's why. In the end, we all recognize and talk about workers' compensation as the grand bargain as the grand bargain between employees and employers. And in order to continue to thrive and to succeed as the grand bargain, you have to have two parties who can negotiate in good faith. And 
if we don't have a voice from the employee perspective and that voice continues to decline because it traditionally was organized labor, I believe that's a real challenge and a struggle within the system in maintaining that essence of the grand bargain. And finally, I think that the poor public perception of workers' compensation is a challenge. We've all seen the headlines, insult to injury, America's vanishing worker protections. It's time to fix the broken workers' compensation system. Workers' compensation is a pathway to poverty. Yes, those are catchy headlines, and they don't represent the true story of workers' compensation, but it's the only story that the general public is hearing about workers' compensation. And so if the constituents that the system serve already have an immediately negative perception of the workers' compensation industry, it's going to be that much harder to get positive results. And so I think that that is a continued challenge that the system will face. So really quickly, let me run down what I think are some of the big weaknesses in workers' compensation today. It is a highly regulated and complex system, and we oftentimes make communicating about the workers' compensation system more challenging by our use of terminology that may be unfamiliar in acronyms. The system is facing constitutional attacks in many states. There is the lack of medical policy expertise in many workers' compensation organizations. The system and the profession has an aging workforce. There's the diminished voice of labor. And we're still dealing with the poor public image of workers' compensation. So now you've heard about the strengths and weaknesses of the workers' compensation system. And these are internal factors that workers' compensation has created and must deal with in order to strengthen in the future. I invite you to tune in to part two of Accidentally in July to learn about the opportunities and threats and what I think the system needs to do in order to thrive into the future. I'd like to thank you for listening to Accidentally, the IAIABC's podcast series. You can subscribe to Accidentally on iTunes or listen to us at iaiabc.org slash podcast. I like hearing from you. I hope that you'll send your feedback to me at jwolf at iaiabc.org. Thanks for listening. Cheers. Jen.